when we think of the book of Jonah, often our mind immediately goes to a great fish. This, this fish, this whale, whatever it is, and no doubt the fish does play a part in the story. And there are some awfully huge fish that are out in our world today. The largest fish is a whale shark. It can get up to 20 tons and 40 plus feet long. But the largest mammal and the largest animal in the world that we know about is a blue whale. And a blue whale can grow up to a 100 feet long and weigh as much as 300,000 pounds. This is like the size of 30 elephants, if you look at it that way. But as we think of this picture of a fish, what we find in the book of Jonah is that the fish is only mentioned four times in three verses in Jonah. God is mentioned 38 times in the book of Jonah. This is not a story about a fish. This is a picture and a story and a real life portrayal and picture and event that took place as God was dealing with the prophet Jonah. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 1. And for the next few weeks, this is where we will be together. And today I want to ask the question, where is your Nineveh? Where's your Nineveh? Jonah chapter 1, pick up with me in verse number 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. And with that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word and Lord, would you challenge us today? And may we be able to answer the question of where is our Nineveh? Speak and move. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch hearts, open ears today. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we look at the book of Jonah and we kind of think about the big picture of Jonah, we find in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is running from God. God has called him to go to Nineveh. And those of you who are familiar with the book of Jonah know that his initial answer is no. And so he goes the other way. He is running from God. Then in chapter 2, we find that Jonah is running to God. He has recognized and realized the cost that comes from running from God as he is in the belly of a great fish. And he begins in Jonah chapter 2 to seek God and to, to pray to God. So in chapter 1, he's running from God. In chapter 2, he's running to God. In chapter 3, he is running with God. God. There he goes. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah again that second time, and he goes and preaches to the city of Nineveh. He is in God's will, and he is running the race that God has for him. But in chapter 4, we find Jonah pouting because of God. 
As we look at Jonah and we look at his life, we think of uh, Jonah being a contemporary of the prophets Hosea and Amos. Jonah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten northern tribes, during the reign of Jeroboam II. Now, Jeroboam II was the longest reigning king in the northern tribes of Israel, but he was a very wicked king. Though he ruled for 41 years, we find that his heart was not toward the things of God at all. Instead, he encouraged idolatry and went along with a country that was full of idolatry. He did not have any concern about people and calling them back to God in any way, shape, or form. What Jeroboam II wanted was people just to conform to his rule in the kingdom. Some things in politics never change, do they? It, it is like in our country today as, as we find the leadership saying, look, uh, we can form and fashion God the way that we want and make him affirming. We don't want to believe in a God with morals and standards. Instead, we would rather have just a, a doting grandfather who doesn't have any rules. And while they, they push an agenda and indoctrination of the world from killing unborn babies to same-sex marriage to the transgenderism debate that is going on in our world today. And the government just wants us to conform. That was the picture of Jeroboam II. Just conform. And though Hosea and Amos were preaching, and you remember Hosea, the picture of that prophet as his wife would would go off and he would purchase her back. And there was this picture of Israel as they were married to the Lord and in a relationship with him and how they would stray and how the Lord would go after them. Well, Israel did not turn and in 722 B.C. would meet their judgment at the hand of of the Assyrians. However, prior to this, we find the prophet Jonah speaking in northern the northern tribes of Israel. Matter of fact, in 2 Kings 14:25, you have to think Jonah probably was a pretty popular prophet of that day. Because in 2 Kings 14:25, Jonah gives a prophecy that the Lord is going to allow the northern tribes to extend their territory. So he had a word that God was, despite all of your sinfulness, God was going to bless you anyway. And your your property, your line, your border was going to increase. So Jonah may have been a very popular prophet of that day. But then everything changes for Jonah when the word of the Lord comes to him. But today, I don't want us to think about a prophet necessarily 700 plus years before Jesus who just we can look back and read in history. Instead, I I want us to look at who God is and take the challenge ourselves to see where God is speaking and calling to us. You see... We started this year thinking about living life on mission. In Ephesians 2.10, it tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, God has a plan for you, but God not only has a plan for you, God has a place for you, a place for you to recognize 
and to be involved in his mission to the world. So I want us to think about us and ask that question, where is your Nineveh? First off, as we think about that, Nineveh is that place where God calls us to go. Notice as we look in, in, uh, in verse number one, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, get up and go to that great city of Nineveh. Now, as we think about Jonah in this call, the Lord has allowed Jonah to, to preach in the northern tribes of Israel, and it's been, been, been a ministry that he probably has embraced, and he's the preacher there, and everything is good. But different from all of the other prophets, the Lord kind of throws Jonah a curveball at this point and says, look, I don't want you to only preach against this nation, but I want you to go. Now, this is in stark contrast to other prophets. Prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos would prophesy against other nations that were around them, but God never asked them to leave. And now the Lord is asking Jonah to pack his bags and move his body to a place that is 550 miles to the northeast and a very pagan and cruel culture. But what about the call on our life? How do we know where our Nineveh is? If Nineveh is that place where God calls us to go, then how do we get there? Well, we get there by the same way Jonah did. We have to hear God's call. We have to hear God's voice. Do you want to find your Nineveh today? Then you, you need to, to hear God's voice for you. You, you need to listen. Where is God calling you? What is God speaking to you about? We have a God who is active. We have a God who speaks through his scripture and speaks through his spirit. We hear God's voice. One of the uh, prolific, I guess, if you would call that, missionary families of the Southern Baptist Convention probably for the last uh, 70 years has been the Fort family. Gordon Fort is a vice president of the International Mission Board right now. But his mother, in the early 1940s, was sitting at Ridgecrest Baptist Camp in North Carolina. She had been thinking about God's call and surrendering her life and just saying, God, give me direction. When she heard the words, Juana uh, Ann I want you to be a medical missionary. She said the voice seemed so audible that she looked around the classroom that she was sitting in for a Bible study to see if anyone else heard it. And she looked around and then came that time, Lord, I'm a woman. This is the early 1940s. You want me to be a doctor? Well, in 1949, she would be one of three women to graduate from the Baylor School of Medicine. She would meet her husband named Giles, and Giles and Juana Ann Fort would then take off to southern Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. And for 36 years, both of them being medical doctors, they would pour their heart, their life, their soul into touching the body and touching the spiritual life of people. And from that, their kids began to serve. 
And now they have grandkids on the mission field as well. You hear God's voice. But then you obey God's call. See, part of what the problem in Jonah's life is, is that Jonah has this picture of God that this is not fitting how that's supposed to look. I'm supposed to, yes, God, you've called me to preach, but Lord, I'm to do that here, right here in the northern tribes. Lord, this is where I grew up. This is what I know. This is what I do. What we ultimately find in the book of Jonah is that there are winds and waves, a storm that obey God. There is a great fish that comes and obeys God by swallowing Jonah and then spitting Jonah out. What we find in the book of Jonah is that the Ninevites repent. They obey God. What we find in the book of Jonah is then in chapter 4, the sun beats down on Jonah's head. The sun obeys God. Then we find that the Lord allows a plant to grow over Jonah. The plant obeys God. Then a worm comes and eats the plant. What we find is the wind and the waves and the great fish and the people of Nineveh and the sun and a plant and a worm. They all obey God in the book of Jonah. Everyone obeys, everything obeys, except Jonah. We hear God's voice, we obey God's call, and then we just leave the response to God. We, we go and, and we hear God's uh, voice and, and we leave the response of people in God's hands. On April 18th, Charles Stanley died. Many of you have probably watched Charles Stanley for years as I have and followed his ministry. And he set up a book a few years ago and talked about 30 life principles. Life principle number one was walking in an intimate relationship with God. But life principle number two is this. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Here Jonah says, "Ah, Lord, I'm just not even going to obey. So sometimes when we obey, everything doesn't work out the way we want, but we just obey and we leave whatever happens, the consequence, the response in God's hands. Nineveh is where God calls us to go. Secondly, not only do we find that Nineveh is the place that God calls us to go, but Nineveh is the place where others need us to be. Notice what happens in Jonah chapter 1 in verse number 2. He's told to, to get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Their evil has come up before me. Hmm, Lord, their evil's come up before you, but Man, I'm, I feel really stuck here. Do I, do I know I heard that right? Well, yeah, Jonah, you heard it right. Should I really obey that? God, do you know who these people are? You, you can see Jonah as, as he struggles with this call. Lord, do you know who those people are? There's the questioning of the goodness of God. God, I'm, I'm one of the good guys here. I'm one of your chosen people here. But Lord, would you as a good God send me to those bad people? Lord, as a wise God, is it really wise for you to, to send me, your prophet, to, to those barbaric people who 
might act toward me in violence? God, are you truly sovereign and in control here? Because uh, this is this seems to be sending some mixed messages, Lord. Like like I could lose my life for this. You know, we all have to come to decisions in life when it comes to our obedience. And one of them is this. Am I willing to go to the difficult places God calls me and do the difficult things God wants me to do with his presence? Or am I willing to live anywhere else without his presence and without his blessing? What about you? Hey, we're not just talking about a prophet 700 plus years before Jesus here. I mean, we got to look right here where, where we are and ask ourselves the question, would I rather be in a difficult place with God or anywhere else fleeing God and without the joy of his presence moving in my life? So what do we see about God in the book of Jonah? First off, we find, as we think of Nineveh as the place where others need us to be, the book of Jonah shows us God's heart for the world. It shows us that God has a heart for the whole wide world. Now, in the New Testament, we clearly see and understand this. For God so loved the world. John the Baptist would prophesy, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. Acts 1, 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. The picture is, is God genuinely has a heart for the world. And at this moment, the Bible tells us that God, in speaking to Jonah, says, the wickedness of Nineveh has come up before me. I can see it. I know what's going on. And I, in my sovereign plan, have a heart for this place at this time. And I am sending you. God has a heart for the world. But God not only has a heart for the world, but God has a message for the world. Jonah, as he goes back in Jonah chapter 3, and his message in verse number 2 and following is very simple. 40 days and God's going to demolish you. 40 days and you will face destruction. Now, we don't know how much he expounded beyond that. But they apparently knew enough about God that when it came to this point in their life, that they responded in repentance. Does God have a message for the world today? Absolutely he does. We can say, for God so loved the world, but we got to finish out the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has shown he has a heart for the world by sending his son. That's the picture and that's the message. So for us today, when we think about where is my Nineveh, where is that place that God's calling me to, we recognize we have already been given a message. We don't need any more special revelation. We have it right here. And we have the Holy Spirit working in us. And so the call for our life right now is, yes, God does have a heart for the world. And God does have a message for the world. 
we think again, Jonah and Jonah chapter one, it says, go to that great city. Go, go. I've got a heart for the world. I've got a message for the world. But then God, again, for Jonah in throwing him a curveball. Listen, God calls his called to go to the world. If you have received the call of salvation, God is calling you to the world. God calls his called. Who does he call to go to the world? He calls us. He calls his church. He calls us to be involved. He calls us. This is part of our our calling in life. That we are to have a heart like his. And we are to share the message that he has given us. And he calls his called to go. If I stood up this morning... And we'll just say that tomorrow the draft started. And if I stood up today and I told our young men who could go into the military, guys, don't do it. Many of you would take great offense at that, as you should. Many of you have served our country. And you should take offense if I'm telling people to avoid their responsibility. But let me tell you, God has called us to be his soldiers on mission with him. So let's not avoid that. This is something eternal at stake here. God calls his call to go to the world. And I just thought this would be a good time to stop and pause. Because right here within our own church, we have some folks that God has called out. And God has called them to the world. Bob and Connie Bixler's daughter, Jennifer, and her husband, Rusty Ford, are in Seville, Spain. They just had a outreach with their youth to homeless, and uh, their, their students went and ministered and brought food and water to homeless people yesterday. They start this week in a meeting with the church leaders and the missionaries and pastors in southern Spain, and they're going to be meeting together. So I thought, man... This would be a great time to just pause and pray for some of those who have been called. I'll just say there's another family. Uh, we'll just say D and A, the first initial of, of husband and wife, who are Ron and Yvonne Anderson's grandchildren. Their picture is on my desk, and I see them every day, and they have two children. But they're in a place where we can't even tell you where they are. Why? God has called out the called. We see and think of Pastor Harry in Haiti. And we think of his ministry. And he, right there at home, is his Nineveh. But it's a dangerous place. It is a place where he's moved on to the church compound. And raiders have come in and taken his house and all of the belongings that were in it. And we think... Lord, there's someone who could easily move to Florida and easily begin a Haitian work somewhere in the United States who's chosen to stay. God calls his called to go. Last week, uh, George Pordia was here, and George will be taking trips back and forth to Ukraine. 
Then we think of Pastor Andre in Ukraine as well. Again, his home and Nineveh are the same place, and, and through all the war, he's had to move and do different things, but still at work. Some of you may know international missionaries that have stepped out of the comfort of life as you may know it here on this side. No dream of living just a few minutes from mom and dad and being there and them having a part in the life of their grandchildren every day. Hey, there are people who have given up a lot. So let's take a moment and let's pray together. Let's stop and pause and let's pray for these folks in particular today. And Lord, you have called out the called. You've called out Rusty and Jennifer and their children, Levi and Hudson and Scarlett and Julia. You've called them to go to Seville, Spain. And Lord, I pray over them today and I pray, God, that as they have meetings this week, Lord, that you'd encourage them in Jesus. Lord, for D and A, as they are serving in Asia in a place where they cannot even say the country, and their two children as well. Lord Jesus, would you have your hand on them today? Would you give them opportunities to to share with believers, to minister to that few? But Lord, I pray that you'd open doors for people who are in a hostile nation to Christianity to come to Jesus. Lord, please do it. Lord, I pray over Pastor Harry today. Lord, keep him safe and may their church just uh, have an awesome moving of your spirit today. And Lord, would you be their protector and their refuge today? And Lord, we pray over Pastor Andre today. God, that your hand would be on him as he ministers in the Ukraine. And George Perdia as he's moving back and forth. God, Lord, you've called out these called. Lord, if there are others here who either on a short term or, Lord, just maybe even vocationally need to go, God, would you help us to say yes? In Jesus, it's your powerful name we pray. Amen. Nineveh is where God calls us to go, and Nineveh is where others need us to be. The third thing we find about Nineveh, is Nineveh is the place where God gets all the glory. Nineveh is the place where God gets the glory. I mean, you have an unwilling prophet who doesn't want to go and, and gets mad when the, the people actually respond. But Nineveh is the place where God gets the glory. His character is shown. His, his holiness is shown. The character of God is shown through his, through his holiness because his best wickedness has come up. And we find that that is offensive to a holy God. And yet, his patience is shown, and his mercy and his grace is extended. Nineveh is the place where God shows his character. And as we look into chapter 3, as the people begin to respond, it is amazing. Nineveh is the place where his salvation is shared. And his salvation is shown. The message of salvation comes and he brings a message of judgment. But that salvation is then offered to those nation, to this nation, this one city. And amazingly, I don't think you see this anywhere else in the whole Bible. A whole city 
the whole city comes to a place of repentance. This, this is amazing. I, I don't think we see anything like this anywhere else in Scripture, where a whole city, and it is called a great city in chapter 3, and especially in chapter 4, verse number 11, where the Lord looks back and says, look, this is a great city, and there's 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left, and shouldn't I be concerned about it? It's where his salvation is offered. And in chapter 4, as he drives home that fact of there being so many people there who don't know Jesus, we find that ultimately God's power changes lives. His power changes lives. That's what happens in Nineveh. So let me ask today, and, and, and let's begin to kind of wind things down and ask the question, where is your Nineveh? Listen, you could say today, well, man, the, the Lord opened a door for me to get a job here. And, you know, I, I have a job here. Wonderful. Guess what? This is your Nineveh. It's not only home. It's Nineveh. We asked a couple of months ago, who's your one? Is there one person in your life? One person who, who you really have a burden to share Jesus with, that you want to be concerned about. And today we ask the question, where's your Nineveh? Because we want you to recognize that though we can enjoy the comfort of home and maybe the proximity of family, this is our mission field. There is wickedness that prevails all around us today, and God calls us to go. So where is your Nineveh? If God has placed you here, and if you are here, and God's not calling you, elsewhere this is it this is it this is it so maybe we need to change our perspective and outlook just a little bit and say yeah this is home yeah this is where we can enjoy coming to, together at church this is the place where where our family and friends are that is all true But this is the place where God has placed you in 2023 for such a time as this. And in his sovereign plan and through his spirit's power, he wants to use you on mission right where you are. This is your Nineveh. What are you going to do about it? If this is your Nineveh, what are we going to do about it? If this is the place. Are we willing to live on mission? Are we willing to live on mission for the Lord? There's going to come a time. When. Your body will be wheeled here to the front of this church or at the funeral home. And people will come by. But while people are coming by saying nice things about you, you'll be in heaven. And you won't be on mission anymore. But until that day, God has you here for a reason, 
for a mission. So let's do it. With that, let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, uh, we need you. We recognize that the call that we have received is challenging, that the world around us is can be very intimidating and can be cruel and violent and can bring persecution and can throw their their weapons of warfare against us. But Lord, we know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And Lord, I pray that every person here would recognize if you've called us here, this is our Nineveh. And we're to be on mission. So Lord, give us opportunities in our neighborhood this week. Give us opportunities at our job this week. Give us opportunities in our community this week to show the light of Jesus and to share the light of Jesus. May we be strong and courageous and make a difference for the kingdom and recognize that we are here for a mission. You've called us in your name.